Hello and welcome to the Amaze podcast, where we talk to businesses large and small, experts in subjects across the spectrum of business, entrepreneurialism, tech, innovation, investment and finance. I'm Jake Shaw, your host. If you'd like to learn more about Amaze, please go to www.amaze.com. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Troy Noycross. Now, Troy is principal strategist and owner at SER Team. Good morning, Troy. How are you? Good morning, Jake. I'm really good. Thank you very much for making the time. I know we had to move it around. I think the, the best place to start is a bit of a background, because I know I've heard these stories about who you are and where you come from, or as you said to me, Missouri, when I first met that's you. That's right. Absolutely, <laughs> that's right. You know, I'm, I was originally born on 4,000 acres of God's green earth with a thousand head of beef cattle in Missouri, just outside of Kansas City. Now, I'm a long way from home in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> the thing was, I grew up on that farm and I was allergic to just about everything there was on that farm. I would break out in the hives, my eyes would water, you know, it was, it was a mess. And at 12 years old, my mom took me to the local university. And I walked in and it was clean air inside this big computer room. And I said, that's it. Computers, that's my future. And that was what really kind of turned my entire career. I then got a degree in computer science. I wrote flight simulators for military aircraft at McDonnell Douglas. I then spent a whole lot of time in 3D high-end graphics for SGI. I moved then to the, the West Coast just before the bubble burst. Wound up living in telecoms land, working on telecoms infrastructure for a while wound up moving to Europe. And then for the last nine, 10 years after I left Nokia, I started my own consultancy company called SER Team. And SER is coming from S for strategy, E for execution, and R for results. Because strategy is good, execution is better, and results are best. And team, because I work with a collective. So I always have a number of associates that I bring together on a particular project, and we work together to solve that. How do you enable the people at the coalface to actually make more decisions and do more things? Um, three of the different business books all were absolutely focused on how do you engage people in a way that they feel like they can experiment and on the smallest possible way? And how do you even celebrate it when, when they don't do everything right, when it doesn't come out with the outcome that they want? And that's, that's another really kind of big thing. So whether we're talking about digital maturity. So we were reading a book called The Technology Fallacy, and it talks about the digital maturity level of, of not only the company, but also of the people, of the organization, of the business, and of the industry. And, and how does all of that kind of happen? Well, again, it's, it's all about the people and their willingness to look at things and try different things and experiment. One of my overarching themes that I continue to focus on is the, the penalty of failure when it comes to business organizations. And if you penalize people for failing, they're never going to try. You've got to create an incentive structure that says, we're going to support you and we're going to encourage you to get out there and try different things. And it's okay if it doesn't work so long as you learn something from it and you share what you learned across the organization. Let me pick up on a couple of those things about people making decisions at the cold face. I've been researching for a entirely different podcast about the growth of the East India Company. And the viceroy was asked what he thought about this installation of Telegraph. And he said it was a terrible idea. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but it was a terrible idea because it meant those idiots in London 
could now interfere with his running of India. Does that kind of chime with what your findings are, is that you just let people get on with it? If you have a really clear vision and direction, and it's communicated up and down the entire organization, then yes, they can go ahead and get on with it within the guidelines, within the boundaries of, does it move us further or closer to our end goal? You know, the number of times I've worked in really big corporations where my individual KPIs, my key performance indicators, were disconnected from what the actual top level five strategic business objectives of the whole organization were is, is, is rampant. And you wind up with, okay, now I've got a fiefdom who's going to create his own, you know, or her own kind of, this is the direction we're going to go and we're going to break free or we're going to show off the other organization or whatever. And you get all this kind of competitive behavior. But if you give people in an organization a completely vertical, this is exactly how it's all going to work. This is the way you should approach it. Get out there and do it. So one of my favorite stories is I worked for Nokia. We were doing a, it wasn't a joint venture, but it was almost a joint venture with a company called Intuit, makers of QuickBooks. And so we had the devices and they had the software and we were launching it in India. So I had people in China doing the manufacturing. I had people in India that were actually doing kind of the rollout, the market approach. I had people in Helsinki who were kind of the corporate governance. I had people in London who were doing the, the marketing and the people in California that follow the sun management. At a team of 12, and I would get everybody together and I said, Okay, look, I'm not going to be awake all the time. You're going to have to make decisions and get out there on your own. But you know me, you've worked with me enough, and you know what I think, and you know where we're going. If you're in a room, I want you to pick an empty chair and say, If Troy was in that chair, what would Troy say, do, or decide? Do that, get on with it. Because, you know, hopefully nobody's going to die. And if it goes wrong, I've got your back. If it goes wrong, we'll clean it up, we'll fix it. And we'll look at how did you come to that decision so we can inform everybody on how to make better decisions going forward. So not only do I think decisions at the coalface are important and valuable, I think they're necessary. And it's really, really empowering. There's a whole lot of debate about the word enabling versus empowering, but we won't go there. So, but I think it's, it's the right it's the right approach. I agree. It's better that one travels in the wrong direction and then realizes it rather than not travel at all. What do you think about this situation, though, where you have businesses that have been merged, where you've got different cultures coming together? How would you overcome that problem of bringing cultures together like that? Well, the the first step in that, as far as I'm concerned, is to admit the two cultures exist assume that you're going to flick a switch and then you're going to be part of our culture and these are our processes and you're going to forget everything else that you knew and you're just going to come across and and that's not going to happen so then you say okay you bring a huge amount of value and you have your own culture we have our own culture and let's figure out how to incorporate these things slowly of course we like to spend lots of time personally networking going to the pub you know talking at the water cooler and those kind of things and learning each other, because at the core of all of this is another magic word, trust. Because if you trust the people that you're being merged into, or that you are merging into your corporation, that you are all absolutely trying to do the same thing and work together, you can let a lot of stuff slide. You can say, wow, okay, that doesn't really work, but I trust we're all going to go the right way. Or that's really uncomfortable, but I'm going to trust you and I'll, I'll come to your software tool. I'll come to your you know, sales process, but you got to trust. 
So that brings you back to your empty chair. Correct. So if you think about sort of a founder, a startup, you've started up businesses, I've started up businesses, where you do start there on your own with a computer and a phone. You get a co-founder. Hopefully for anybody who's listening, the best co-founders is one business person and one technology person. Don't get two techies. Don't get two business people. That doesn't work. So one to two is fine. The minute you add a third person, you've got a new dynamic. Then you go four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then you get to 10. That means the first digit has changed again to a one. And now I need to have ideas about what are our values and what are our principles. And I go 11, 12 until 30. Now I need to have an HR process. Now I need to have structure. Now I need to have an employer handbook. And then I go to 100, and then 300, and then 1,000, and then 3,000. And so every time that first digit changes from a 1 to a 3 to a 1 to a 3, you need another layer of growing your organization and keeping everything together. You said something earlier about digital maturity. I'll give you an example of digital immaturity. The U.S. government sent out a check to everybody, didn't they? Yes, I got mine. A check. A piece of paper, a check. Not only sent checks to anybody who wasn't registered with their bank details with the IRS, he sent a pre-letter and a post-letter advertising in paper to every single citizen across the whole of America, reminding them that 45 had given them this check. That's a lot of trees. Start digitizing your business at the get-go. It does, but the point of the book, and this is the technology fallacy, says, The tools are really irrelevant. The digital maturity applies to the people and their willingness to adopt the tools and the way they look at solving problems using available tools. The old Moore's Law, every so many years, processors get twice as fast and half as big. So we're no longer talking about processors or amount of RAM or even disk space that you can get. We're limitedly talking about bandwidth, but all of that's kind of fading into the background which comes to another one of my principles, which is the best technology is invisible. You don't want to talk about technology. You want to talk about what it can do. And in a digitally maturing organization, so there are three levels. There's beginning, there's in the middle, and then there's kind of digitally maturing. And so there are no digitally mature organizations because you never stop maturing. This is kind of the, the journey that we can go on. And The people who are lifelong learners, the ones able to adapt and to adopt to change, willing to try, experiment, and fail, are the ones that then kind of move towards this digital maturing space. And the ones that are locked and loaded in a business model that's worked for the last 20 years, why in the world would we change it? They're still using the stone mill grinding for flour, and there's no reason, there's no benefit, and there's huge risk in their minds of changing. So you brought up the point about COVID is that that is the thing that's causing this digital maturing to go into hyperdrive. I mean, people are really having to get to grips with it now. So Milton Friedman made a quote several years ago, and I've been using it a lot during this whole Wicked podcast series, that in the event of a crisis, actual or perceived, is the only time when real change happens. And the change happens based on the ideas that are lying around. Now, this was kind of short-circuited and, and readopted by most of the big kind of like McKinsey and Co's as saying, never waste a crisis. You know, but the, the positive side of that in light of COVID is 
we had all of these plans for remote working. We had all of these plans for digital transformation. We had all of these plans and we were waiting for the right time. And then somebody who had all of these plans pulled out the drawer and said, hey, fellas, I've got the plan. We can mm. do it now. And suddenly rapid acceleration and rapid kind of fail because we don't have a time to, to try and, and make it perfect. We're just get it out there and adapt on the way. Moving on from that, you've read all these books. Where do you think the opportunities are? And what sort of people, businesses do you think, having read all this stuff, are going to really, really benefit post this lockdown and where we are now? The ones that support the transformation from globalization to hyper-localization, kind of the, the big archetype trends. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but I think it's going to last longer especially as, as we continue to have second and third waves kind of come through. And I work for a lot of people in Hong Kong and they were all back in the office and now they've had a huge outbreak and they're all back in. And the CEO said this morning, you got to get used to it. We're not going to see each other for a while. So this is going to be a long time. So you get people in London saying, well, there's urban drain that's starting to happen. It's been proven now. I can indeed work remote. So why should I have to live in the rat race and pay horrendous prices? Why don't I move out to the country? And in the country, I can't sell to millions and millions of people at Tesco's or Sainsbury's or something like that. So I'm going to sell it to the local market, the local merchants, and I'm going to keep more of the margin. So hyper-localization, that means they need help. So people like Zero, who can do tiny small business accounting, or even Intuit can do small business accounting, really interesting. People who understand micro-advertising, not necessarily on Facebook, but it could be on Facebook, but how do I advertise in the village? How do I advertise to the people that are hyper-local? I really, as a catchment area, need a catchment area of 2,000 people. Mm. I don't need to reach all and sundry across the whole mm. planet. So businesses will need that. I was having dinner with someone last night, and they're setting up a Zoom meeting production company. So these people are doing Zoom meetings with 300, 500, 1,000 people, and this company is being set up to say, oh, I'm producer one, producer two, I manage your slides. And she said, look, it's just like you would have at a major conference. You don't have the speaker trying to manage the sound system and trying to manage the lights. You let the speaker get up on stage and do their work. So anything that supports teleworking, also cybersecurity. Cybersecurity and remote working IT security is another main area. And I'll, I'll stop at those three. What's going to happen to those businesses in those air, urban areas that used to make their money selling a lunchtime sandwich? That's one of the real serious challenges for Sadiq Khan as mayor of London is how do we address the fact that people are no longer going in? And whether it's the small sandwich shop or it's the barbers and the beauty salons and the news agents and all the rest, and there's not going to be enough trade for them to stay, and many of them will go. That's just the reality of it. 20 to 30% capacity in most offices and nothing more. And that's not going to start till October or November. And that's the best forecast based on what I saw happen in Hong Kong. Wow. Where do people find the Wicked Podcast? You can find the Wicked Podcast on Podomatic. It's also available on Spotify and on iTunes, the Wicked Podcast. You can also go to thewickedpodcast.com, the website. And where do people find you if they want to get in touch with you directly about strategy and things like that? Great. So you can go to www.serteam.co.uk or blockchainrookies.com. 
please also find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter and on Twitter and at Troy underscore Norcross or at I get blockchain. Bye, Troy. Bye now. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more podcasts like this, please go to www.amaze.com. And don't forget to like and share this podcast. <laughs>